0: Welcome to our 16th podcast episode of Neurodiversity in a Nutshell. My name is Adav, and today we're going to be looking at the research disparities in neurodivergent conditions. Let's get right into it. We will be covering the disparities and inconsistencies that appear when looking into statistics and studies that relate to the neurodiverse community. In particular, we will be taking a look at some of the discrepancies that pop up when researching autism. What are research disparities? Research disparities are conflicting or inaccurate pieces of research that could hinder the progress of a study in any industry or field. Like other fields, the research fields, in accordance with conditions like autism, ADHD, and the conditions that fall under the neurodiversity umbrella, have many concerns regarding the disparities along the lines of race, gender, and much more. Currently, the conditions considered under the neurodiversity umbrella all have many concerns regarding such disparities. In today's episode, we're going to be spending some time discussing some of the studies that have been conducted regarding research disparities and explaining the implications of the issues. Let's start off with racial disparities in research protocols. The Autism and Developmental Disabilities Monitoring Network report, or the ADDMN report, has consistently noted that more white children are identified with ASD than black or Hispanic children. Previous studies have shown that stigma, Lack of access to healthcare services due to non-citizenship or low income, and non-English primary language are potential barriers to identification of children with ASD, especially among Hispanic children. A difference in identifying black and Hispanic children with ASD relative to white children means these children may not be getting the services they need to reach their full potential. Autism diagnosis has been adversely affected by disparities caused by redlining and discriminatory practices from the 20th century. Lower resources medical programs have reduced diagnosis of African-American children, with pediatric studies displaying an average three-year delay in diagnosis. Traditional autism research has been conducted with white, higher-income families, further exacerbated by reduced Medicaid funding for autism diagnostic evaluation. This is just one of many examples of the bias that can be shown in research trials. Without correct representation and access to clinical trials due to socioeconomic barriers that are often common for low-income minorities, can be profound struggles for those that are marginalized. Some of this is often because they cannot be evaluated due to lack of services in regions that often receive less care. ADHD is another example in which there are racial divisions and differences that can contribute to biased perspectives and results. Most research on ADHD has studied male children of European Caucasian ancestry in North America, Europe, and Oceania. Relatively few studies specifically examine aspects of race or cultural variation although we've seen a slight increase as studies of ADHD have grown. As researcher Joel Nigg explains, trauma and social disadvantage are related to ADHD. They can trigger ADHD-like symptoms. In addition, children with ADHD are more likely to be harmed when exposed to trauma as they are less resilient. Children who are BIPOC in the United States are exposed to more social adversities than are white children on average. Thus, separating adversity effects from ADHD itself is a greater challenge in these populations. With representation being skewed in favor of Caucasian populations, while ADHD is present in people of color and racial minorities, at similar percentages, the considerations can be detrimental when associated with race. Risk factors could be different amongst different demographics, an aspect that current researchers fail to consider. Let's continue to discuss gender disparities in many research studies and clinical trials. As discussed by Spectrum News in 2018, the history of autism research has also focused specifically on males, with the major pioneers of autism research, Grunia Sukareva and Hans Asperger, excluding women in their major studies. Even when girls were included in later medical studies, it was at greatly diminished rate, exemplified by Dr. Leo Connor's ratio of 3 females to every 8 males in his World War II era studies. This can often lead to a common misconception in which people assume that women with autism are less prevalent compared to males. There are many differences in cognitive processes associated with gender differences. Just to name a few, Boers in 2018 finds females with autism face more comorbid conditions like depression or anxiety more often, also known as neuropsychiatric conditions. Whirling finds specifically that adolescent girls find change more easily and prefer activities that are less repetitive which deviates from many of the typical classifications of the DSM-5's version of what children with autism usually display in terms of symptoms. Both of these examples signify neurological differences that can be further segmented by the genders of those with autism. This is especially important when considering the basic understanding and symptomatic relationships between autism and gender, which means current research disparities can contribute to many issues. In fact, diagnosis of autism in girls is much smaller in comparison to boys. There is a strong male bias in the prevalence of autism given that adolescent boys are four times more likely than girls to be given the diagnosis. The gender gap in autism is likely much smaller than this data indicates, with recent reports asserting that the ratio is likely closer to one female to every three males when appropriate diagnostic procedures are applied. Moreover, the same biases can apply to other neurodivergent conditions as well. Girls with ADHD exhibit internal and subtle symptoms like being withdrawn, low self-esteem, anxiety, inattentiveness, daydreaming, verbal aggression like taunting and teasing others, intellectual impairment, and difficulty in school. On the other hand, boys' symptoms are much more external and apparent, impulsivity, acting out, hyperactivity, difficulty focusing, inattentiveness, and physical aggression. Due to these differences in visibility of symptoms, boys are almost twice as likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than girls are with 12.9% of boys versus 5.6% of girls. Without a diagnosis, young women with ADHD do not have access to the treatment and support they need. This can cause major discrepancies in academic performance, societal communication, and other aspects that children with ADHD exhibit differences in. Krofnick and Evans specifically find that in early protocols and research studies for dyslexia and other developmental conditions, neuroimaging was done in samples and groups specifically by males or majority male populations. Moreover, this would prevent effective diagnosis because the symptoms and biomarkers associated with such conditions like dyslexia or dyscalculia can vary. In fact, behavioral evidence also shows a major disparity in linguistic processing along with the differences in verbal reasoning between males and females diagnosed with dyslexia. Now, all of this information sounds really important, but what exactly do these differences and major disparities in clinical research and psychological studies represent? The race and gender-based differences show a profound impact on diagnosis and evaluation. Support and services are based on professional evaluation and diagnoses, and when such methods fail, Neurodiverse students receive limited support. This can be detrimental to their future, as they do not have the correct and sufficient support systems and interventions in place to help them grow. Evidence-based practices show that additional supplemented social interaction for children with autism, for example, can be essential for improving social skills. However, a misdiagnosis would prevent environments that would accommodate for such needs. Moreover, The disparities are exacerbated in marginalized communities where lower socioeconomic capabilities can hinder development. Stereotypical assumptions of low performance can be made instead of embracing the many strengths associated with neurodivergent conditions. In a world of male, white dominated research studies, current studies are able to target diverse populations of race, gender, and socioeconomic status in order to examine such disparities that were discussed today. More importantly, It is necessary to understand the detriment such disparities can have on public health and general understanding of neurodivergent conditions. Thank you for tuning in to our latest episode. Although we took a one-week hiatus from posting, we hope that this piece has been informative and beneficial to your understanding. These research differences along social lines extend far beyond neurodivergent conditions, and we hope that these topics interest you. Once again, if you have any questions, concerns, or episode ideas, please reach out to us at publicrelations at unitopia.foundation to get in contact.